administration as per usual. Let's get this about raising corporate taxes. What do you think the first thing those companies are going to do when their taxes go up? They're going to look for ways to have fewer workers who they have to pay in those companies, are they not? Well, first of all, let me do a, a real-time uh, fact check, and then I'll get to your uh, uh, good question. <laughs> not all right. Um, welcome to Gamcast for uh, August the third, twenty twenty-two. It's a sunny day in Atlanta. I hope you have good weather where you are. Um, sorry for me to laugh, but these Biden administration officials it, <laughs> fact check as if uh, these people have any relationship with facts at all. So uh, slow news day out there. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a slow news day for pretty much the rest of August as it was for July because most people are on vacation and they're going to go on the recess soon it, it, as soon as they get this um, uh, Inflation Reduction Act uh, buttoned up. So we'll see. But we're going to talk a lot about the Inflation Reduction Act, debunk a lot of the nonsense that's going on. We're going to talk about a little bit of the election news that happened yesterday. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, Pelosi and the abortion thing that happened out there in Kansas just to make sure everybody is on the proper page. Uh, before I get started, um, sorry about yesterday, but um, I had something that ran longer than I thought it would run. And by the time I got in front of a microphone and was going to be able to drop uh, a, a live stream or a podcast, it would have been too late to do much of anything. And it was a slow news day because yesterday, as you know, was primary day in several places, including Arizona and Missouri and some other places. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So um, anyway, um, you basically haven't missed much. And um, again, the, the news out there is pretty slow. You have to sort of know where to look. And as per usual, the media is lying about stuff. So let's go ahead and look. Folks, we all know, all of us are uh, informed voters, informed people keep up with politics. We obviously know that anytime the government puts a tax on a company of any kind, we're paying it. And I, I really don't understand it. You know, one of the early things in politics, you, you a couple of things you have to learn to understand what's going on. Um, what you know about the differences of the parties but the democrats have always been the party of taxes they've also when we get to pelosi they've also always been the party of war a lot of people don't know that but the reason we got into world war one was because a democrat got elected and defeated a republican who was going to keep us out of the war now of course woodrow wilson said in running oh he wasn't going to get us involved in war. oh no 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 and as soon as he as soon as he was elected he changed his tune and fdr got us involved in world war ii and we, we could go into it long so we, i could even explain to you how democrats got the civil war to happen because lincoln was trying to say look you guys we're gonna we're gonna deal with the slavery problem do what you want to do and it was the democrat party in the south that as quickly as they could, they seceded, they went, they pushed it, they kept pushing it to the point that we got a war. They've, they've always been the party of war. They've also always been the party of taxes. And one of the games about taxes, folks, and, and again, it, I, I hate it, but it works, is to try to convince you that somebody else is paying it. And you always have to understand the two things about taxes you have to always understand. The first one is it's really about who spends the money. When you're talking about tax policy is do, do individuals spend the money or should the government spend the money, right? That's the first thing. The second thing you have to understand is ultimately it's always your money. So I don't care how you want to slice it, right? And so the best way to do it under a system would be to individuals to pay taxes, come to me, tell me what you need for me to write a check to you for whatever the taxes are, right? That's, that's the best way to do it in terms of freedom and keeping a tab on it. 
right? And what they the what they want to try to do, and and I'm not just saying exclusively Democrats. Republicans play this game too, and every other political party known to man, they all they all play this game. They want to try to get to a point. Well, no, no, no we'll, you'll write a check for part of it. But part of it will just charge you when you buy gas, and part of it will just charge you when you pay your cell phone, and part of it will say it's corporate taxes, and part of, and before you know it, you're literally they're picking your pocket every which way, but you know, but loose, but people you know are fooled by it. That's why they do it. It's not any more complicated than that. So let's see what he's got to say. How he's going to figure this out? <laughs> it's just laughable, but we have to do it. So anyway, here's what he has to say. Here's his uh, fact check in real time. One middle-class per person filling out their taxes will find that they face higher taxes or higher tax rates because of the corporate minimum tax. It's that simple. This is a tax on companies whose profits are over a billion dollars. So to argue that this will show up on anybody's tax form is no, just... Uh, now, of course it's not going to show up on your tax form. I, I'm not going to argue that it is. All right. Now, again, this is something that a child could see through. I'm not talking about it being on my form. So you're telling me, let's just use a billion dollars, that they now make a billion dollars and they don't pay taxes on it, which I don't think they should. Now, that doesn't mean that the billion isn't taxed. You have to understand, folks, when they do something with the billion, it's going to be taxed. What we're saying is we didn't tax the profit to begin with. And there's a lot of ways and reasons why that is. A lot of it has to do with, with, with the fact that we're now a global economy, and so you're over in Ireland, and only until you bank it back here do you get taxes. And I don't want to get into all that. It really, it's not, it's not a tax show. Uh, I think of our Substack page, greatamericanmail.substack.com. We've got a uh, single-issue podcast about the tax code. It's about 30 minutes. It's pretty good if you want to walk through all that. But um, the major point here is, they make they have a billion dollars, right? Now before they do something with it and start paying taxes, they want to tax it right off the top, right? So I don't know what the tax rate would be. Let's say it's ten percent, or actually maybe fifty percent. Doesn't matter. All right. So ten percent of a billion dollars is a hundred million. All right. So they want to take a hundred million. Now the corporation is going to have to make up that hundred million somewhere, right? And that means they're either going to raise their prices in all likelihood, or they're going to cut services or something. So that's coming. That's basically coming from us. And I don't understand why we have to play these types of games. I don't understand why we just can't say, look, we need the tax money, and so here's the way we've decided to get it. You're likely going to pay it, but look, we need it because, you know, we've got this bridge down here that needs to be built, or we've got this disease we need to fight, or we've got this war in Asia we need to fight. Who knows? But the idea that we're not paying it is just false. And then this is just We'll see how this uh, Fox News reporter does here or whatever she is in responding to him. But no one's suggesting it's going to be on your tax form. I mean, this is laughable. Actually, yeah. incorrect. Two different parts of the question. Uh, you know, but small businesses, some of them will see their, those people who are personal owners of small businesses, they would see their taxes go up, correct? No, uh, this is according to uh, Steve Rosenthal, uh, an expert from the Tax Policy Center who knows this area very well. Quote, if you're not a tax cheat head fund ma hedge fund manager or a corporation making over $1 billion, you're not affected. So let's be very clear. I think this has been missed in the discussion of the corporate minimum tax. It has a $1 billion threshold. No one under $400,000, in fact, will, will pay one... And this is another game they play. They always start with the Alex Jones of the world. They always start with, well, it's just going to be people with a billion. And if you don't see that coming, right, this is the IRS. The other thing that's in the bill, we're going to get to it in a bit, is I don't know what they've done with it, but one of the original iterations of the bill 
had the uh, IRS had an ability to look at your bank account. And again, they, they claimed it was, well, it was going to be $10,000. And people said, well, $10,000 at any moment or $10,000 over the course of a year. But again, it's irrelevant what number they start with. They could start with a million dollars over a course of a year, which would entrap almost nobody. But then they're going to ratchet it down once they get in there. Um, anyway, th- th- this, this kind of thing that the Biden administration is doing is what we get. I mean, we do deserve what we get. I mean, this is the type of thing that, I mean, on the Democrat stations, which is basically everything but Fox, you know, I mean, they're not even asked these dumb questions to have to respond to. And when they do respond to these questions, they get to say these talking points. And this, I mean, if you're watching this on um, uh, YouTube or Rumble, um, you can see here, this is from Aaron Rupar. Aaron Rupar is, um, he claims to be a historian, but he's basically just one of these younger people that grows up and is completely uninformed, but he's never uncertain about things. So he says right here, Fox News is just blatantly spreading misinformation about the Manchin-Schumer deal. It does not impact individual taxes at all. Again, okay, folks. Um, anyway, so um, there's also another story out there that's basically a hoax, and that is about these text messages wiped from phones and key Trump officials. Um, here's CNN reporting on it. Um, I, I, if, I'd, if I'd gone live yesterday, I would have covered this. It's another hoax that these people come up with. I mean, there's nothing to these phones. And you, even if there were, folks, we don't know why they were wiped. If they were wiped, we don't have enough information. But the media does this. They make it seem really nefarious. Now, again, of course, um, the reason I saw this, it was trending on Twitter this morning, um, but her email. So it's like, well, see, we always talk about Hillary Clinton. This is not um, this and that and, and a game that we want to play. I don't care if anybody's text messages, anybody's emails are missing. It's a problem. This is obviously a problem. It shouldn't happen. No one on the Republican side, no one on the constitutional side is suggesting it's not a big deal. Obviously, it is. The question is, did they really purposely do it to try and hide information? And the obvious answer is January 6th text messages. What would they possibly have to hide? And when you talk, when you figure out who they're talking about here, you're going to see why it doesn't make any sense. So take a listen. The, the Defense Department wiped the phones of top departing DOD and Army officials at the end of the Trump administration, deleting any text from key witnesses to events surrounding the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, according to court filings. Now, what would the Army or the Department of Defense have to do with January 6th? If anything, it was because they were called in to, to squelch the violence. But, I mean, what could they possibly have going on? And, again, these are people who left because they probably were part of the Trump administration, right, or Trump favorable, and they turned in their devices because they didn't want to serve under a Biden administration, or they were fired probably, right? Of course, the story doesn't say that, but anyway. The acknowledgment that the phones from the Pentagon officials had been wiped was revealed in a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit uh, uh, American oversight brought against the Department of uh, Defense Department and the Army. The Watchdog Group is seeking January 6 records from former Acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller, former Chief of Staff Cash Patel, and former Secretary of the Army Ryan McCarthy, among other prominent Pentagon officials, having filed uh, the Freedom of Information Rights just days before the Capitol attack. So it's not even from the January 6 committee, folks. Now think about that. This is such an important story. This was a headline on CNN yesterday, and they're claiming that they're so important that this watchdog group had to go ask for them, and the January 6th committee didn't ask for them. Right there, you're going, well, how important can they be a year and a half later the January 6th hadn't gotten to it? Anyway, it goes on and on and on, describing how they this was wiped and that wasn't wiped, and this is a huge scandal and all this stuff. Don't believe it. There's nothing to this. I mean, there's 
I mean, again, I don't know why they were wiped. We'll see. They probably weren't wiped. It probably was just incompetence at the end of the day, and they're probably preserved somewhere else. But don't fall for this story. It, there's nothing to it. If there was something to it, these people, uh, the January 6th committee would have been trying to get these records, and it wouldn't be something that some small group was doing. But it does goes to show you, again, we talk about this all the time, but part of the problem we have is the media environment we're living in. You, you, you can't really get any truth. And if you're a person that just, I mean, if I was a person that just came along and did what 60% of Americans do, read the headlines, first on CNN, January 6th test messages wiped from phones of key Trump Pentagon officials. I'm like, oh my Lord, wow, they were wiped. They're hiding something. And then you read down and you're like, but what would the Department of Defense? I mean, they claim Trump didn't ask them to provide any security. They, what's, what's possibly going to be on those phones? Right. And then you find out that some low level group just filed a Freedom of Information Act request to figure this out. And the January 6th committee hadn't been involved. And you go this this I mean, I don't know. They probably ought to figure out what's going on with their document preservation system over there. But other than that, I don't see a big deal to what's going on here. But again, this is how CNN uh, gets to run things up the flagpole. And for those of you thinking that CNN is going to go objective, um, looks like not so much. So. Speaking of the January 6th committee, Adam Kinziger went out there, and um, I tell you what, I, I, I'm not one of these people that likes to diagnose people. Um, I mean, I do follow the um, the Barry Goldwater rule, you know, from the 1964 presidential election, where, again, folks, this is how things used to work. So in 1964, uh, I forget which magazine it was. Uh, I just can't remember. There was a famous magazine at the time that ran an article that said a 1,000 or something like that psychiatrists say that— um, uh, Barry Goldwater uh, suffers from these mental conditions or whatever, and they had never examined him. They'd never even seen his records. And so the American Psychiatric Association, after, of course, after the fact, right, after the landslide loss, came out and said, look, we're going to have the Goldwater rule. No more diagnosing people unless you have seen their records or you've treated them. We're not going to have this situation where you diagnose people from afar. And I generally respect that. So I, I don't know what's going on with Kinsger. But if you ever see him, the next time you see him get interviewed, or even if you listen to him here or you watch him here, if you're watching it on the YouTubes or the Rumbles, you know, you'll see it. But if you're listening to it, you can kind of hear it in his voice. I mean, he just does not seem like a well individual. And it goes beyond the fact that he sort of built a brand, whatever that brand was, and then that brand is no longer the brand that the Republican Party wants to back. And he can't just walk away and see what's going on. But he's talking about a phenomenon out there. And I wanted to bring that up in this in this order today, because when you start hearing about some of these, quote unquote, election results and things, I want you to understand these people are at all times. This all the Democrats are 24 seven is messaging, 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 messaging. And by messaging, I usually mean lying. And so here they're going to talk about the phenomenon of these Democrats going out there promoting these quote-unquote MAGA Republicans, they're going to call them election deniers, far-right, whatever you want to call them, that they're going in there in these places and they're promoting these people so that they win, and Kinsger is, is eventually going to have a problem with that. But um, I'll bring up the point I wanted to make about Kinsger in a moment. But before I do, I want you to say, now I've, I've said this several times, I've, I've not ever been registered to a political party, and I do not uh, vote in primaries. I, I just don't think it's appropriate. If you're not a member of the party, why should you be able to get in there and, you know, uh, rig the way, what's going to happen one way or the other? They should select their candidate, and then in the general, I get to pick between all the different candidates, independents, Democrats, and Republicans alike. But a lot of states not only permit you to vote in any primary you want, 
right? They kind of encourage it. And then they're getting a lot of, of, of what they want out there. But it just goes to show you it's a corruption of the process. But listen to uh, Kensinger here talking to, um, I can't remember this girl's name anyways, one of the CNN talking heads. I know you were closely watching these primary elections as we all were last night. You called it disgusting here on, on this program that Democrats uh, were helping elevate election deniers in the hopes that they would be easier to defeat in a general against a more moderate Republican. One of the moderates in the race is Peter Meyer lost his primary. Before we get to Peter Meyer, again, it just cracks me up, election deniers. So you're an election denier if you basically challenge what happened in 2022, which is one of the most unusual elections, I mean 2020, I should say, one of the most you know unusual elections, it's fair to say, we've ever had. You're an election denier if you just don't accept what you've been told without any audit. I mean, I, I, I don't understand how we've gotten that way in this country. But anyway, he's talking about Peter Meyer. Peter Meyer was one of those persons who was a uh, sort of classic country club Republican. I never heard of the guy, but apparently the Meyers in Michigan, they're huge um, grocery store chain, and this guy was the son of the grocery store magnate. So he basically was kind of a country club Republican that lost, but he did vote for impeachment of Trump. And folks, um, that's just, you can't do that and expect to remain in a party. I mean, again, you got to understand, these are people who broke the record of being, Romney was the first person to ever vote to impeach a member of his own party. And then a bunch of these other people followed suit on the second impeachment. And, you know, you get what you asked for. But anyway, let's uh, continue. And I'm going to tell you one more thing about this Peter uh, Meyer race as well. What's your reaction? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, if Peter's opponent wins and goes on to November and wins, that the Democrats own that. Congratulations. I mean, here's the thing. Don't keep coming to me asking where are all the good Republicans that defend democracy and then take your donor's money and spend half a million dollars promoting one of the worst election deniers that's out there. I mean, you know, the DCCC needs to be ashamed of themselves. Thankfully, some members of Congress, Democrats, have spoken out and said they're disgusted. I respect it. I have spoken out against the National Republican Congressional Committee many times when they've done things I've disagreed with. And there are also people that say, well, this is just politics, how cynical that is. And that's why I think Americans are just sick of both parties, to be honest with you. Yeah, so Kinsger there trying to, you know, again, it's all about Kinsger. It's all about Cheney. They're the only good ones out there. Right. I mean, Kinsinger is doing nothing but playing politics right now. That's all he's done since it became clear when he decided for whatever reason to go against Trump and he lost his political career. Right. He just decided to go all in. And, and now he's upset that he's being used and he's upset that the Democratic Party plays games. Give me a break. They, that's all they ever do. Anyway, the other interesting thing about the man who won, a guy named John Gibbs, is uh, he's going to be another one of these um, black Republicans uh, for, if he wins, he'll be the first black Republican uh, to uh, hold office uh, at that level, uh, the federal level in Michigan. He should win that seat. It is a Republican seat, and uh, he should easily win that seat and go to Congress. And uh, he worked in the I forget where he was in the Trump administration, not a high level guy, but he was uh, one of the uh, in the Trump administration. And Trump obviously um, uh, promoted him. I think he won pretty close. I think it was like 53 to 47 but definitely a very solid victory there. I'm not really sure what the Democrats were thinking in giving money, uh, promoting that guy. But anyway, that's another thing that they don't tell you and all that. And I'm not really sure why they don't. But um, so another story out there that you're going to hear, and I want you to just let you know, um, this is uh, from the post-millennial. Trump celebrates big night of endorsement victories. 
right? Trump wrote, uh, won all of our endorsed races in Kansas and Missouri. Great going, Eric. Big night. Kerry Lake also won out there in Arizona. Folks, get ready, because what you're going to hear once the dust settles, and of course, Maricopa County is still counting ballots out there, so we don't really know exactly what's going to happen in Arizona quite yet. But once it all, the dust, all the settles, get ready to hear that these people are worse than Trump. Get ready to hear that they are extreme America. Get ready to hear that the reason if the Republicans don't take the Senate or they don't win as many seats in the House is because they they nominated extreme or poor candidates. Uh, we talked about this last week, but you can't say it too much. This is nothing but a media lie that they put out, and this is just par for the course for these people. They do it all the time, right? It's nothing more than a lie. These candidates are not poor candidates. There's nothing wrong with them. You could paint them. I mean, think about it. if this guy who beat uh, Peter Meyer in Michigan to take that, you know, probably going to be a GOP hold there in the House, right? It's just going to go from uh, a, a, you know, rhino slash country club Republican to a black, more conservative Republican, right? You could easily, if you were the media, paint that as, oh, my God, first black GOP to be, be if he wins in me. You're not going to hear any of that. Right. And it's all because they just they, they reality is whatever they say it is. And so they they've they're going to come up with this narrative. But I just want you to understand that really all that happened last night is that people who believe in America first, people that believe in election integrity, people. It, it's not that they're extreme right or that they're Trump or they're ultra MAG or anything other than that. It's just the Republican Party shifting a little bit more to the conservative side on a lot of things. Nothing more to see than that. But believe me, trust me, you will see. Uh, probably starting today and throughout the rest of the week, that these are extreme candidates and, oh, my God, the GOP is going far to the right and all this stuff worse than Trump. Get ready for it. So um, other headlines out there are talking about the Inflation Reduction Act. So, we, we look, first and foremost, you don't reduce inflation by spending about a half trillion dollars. It's just I, I really don't understand Joe Manchin. We're not even really sure what he's going to get and what he claims he's going to get is in the future. I'm not really sure what's going on with Manchin, why he decided to sign on that. But what we do know about the bill, and we covered a little bit of it on Monday, right? We talked about the fact that they're getting like $85 billion for the IRS. And I wanted you to, um, this is a, a tweet from uh, the RNC Research, one of the few times we go to um, the the other side, or this side, the Republican side, to make our point. But um, I, it came up in my feed, and so I just wanted to go into this in a little bit more detail. We talked about it the other day. So, Part of what they're saying in this bill is that they're going to spend, give the IRS a lot of money, a lot of tools, because the Democrats believe that a lot of people cheat. Now, that's, you know, confession by projection. The reason they think a lot of people cheat is because they cheat, right? So they think there's a lot of money to be made out there by getting IRS agents and giving them a lot of power so they can go after people, right? And there's some truth to that. Not a lot, but there's a little bit of truth to that. But the main reason that it, that it should be clear to anyone that they're spending all this money with the IRS, is they're going to use it to punish their political enemies, right? And this is part of the problem that we have post-Trump, is that once we saw how deep the swamp was, and once we see how these people are ingrained, and it doesn't matter, Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter as much now. So the Democrats are doubling, tripling down on increasing the size of the IRS, because they know the IRS, even if you have Trump back in office in 2024, or DeSantis, or Ted Cruz, or Rand Paul, or whoever, it doesn't matter who wins, it doesn't matter. They're like, we're going to beef it up. It's going to be an agency. He can't control what they're doing. It'll be Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci all over again. It just doesn't matter who the, the person is. They're going to continue to do it. But 
Think about this, all right? And this is the tweet. With $80 billion for an army of new IRS agents, the Biden inflation scam would create an IRS that spends 14 times as much money on enforcement as it does on taxpayer services. Well, as far as I know, the, the, the IRS doesn't do anything in terms of taxpayer, taxpayer services. So I'm not really sure what they're talking about there. But think about this, folks. $80 billion for one agency. That is a lot of people. Now, I can't imagine that they're going to be able to recoup $80 billion from tax cheats. Right. Think about that. That many people. This is clearly designed to go after their political enemies. Right. And to punish small business, which is the same thing. Right. Because small business doesn't vote for them increasingly. That's why they love big business. And one other thing on these elections, when we get to it, we get to Kansas, I guess. But I want you to understand that a lot of these things are rigged not only by the narrative, but the dirty little secret is the Republican Party is quickly becoming the party of the middle class. And the Democrat Party is increasingly becoming the party of the big donors. So a lot of this spending is um, is not a uh, zero-sum game. In other words, the Democrats are far outspending uh, the Republicans these days. Uh, anyway, so it looks like we are getting to uh, Kansas here. So here's a story about what happened in Kansas. I want you to understand, because you got to understand, to understand what happened in Kansas, it's not really about abortion. What Kansas is about is about the independent legislature doctrine. Okay, and so increasingly what's happened in these red states, all right, it happened during the 2020 election, and it's happening about with respect to abortion. What happens is, if, even if you have a red state, and the legislature does this, this, and this, if you have a blue governor, he says, oh, well, you didn't pass mail-in balloting, I, COVID, I'm going to have mail-in balloting, I'm going to send a ballot to everybody, right? And there's nothing the legislature can do. Or oftentimes what will happen is you'll have a legislature that's conservative, a state that's otherwise conservative, but then you'll have a Supreme Court that's very, very leftist. So like in North Carolina is a good example. Pennsylvania is a good example of that. And so in this particular instance, what's happened is the legislature wants to have more restrictions on abortion, and the Supreme Court has said, well, yeah, there may not be a right under the federal Constitution, but there's a right under the Kansas Constitution. Now, I haven't read the decision I tried to do a little quickie research, and as per usual, you couldn't find anything on it. So without me pulling the case and read it, I can't tell you what they exactly said. But the gist is they found that there's a right to an abortion in the Kansas Constitution. Therefore, the Supreme Court is not the arbiter of what the Kansas Constitution says. So the legislature, or however they got it on the ballot, they decided to ask the public, right, and I'm assuming this is an amendment to the Constitution, it would have to be to overrule the Supreme Court, is saying, hey— uh, declare that there's no constitutional right to abortion. All right, so I'm going to let you listen to the, uh, this is MSNBC coverage on this, and then I'm going to back it up and tell you why everything they're saying here is not what they think it is um, for a variety of reasons. But again, we want you to think about this issue less about abortion and more about what legislatures can do and how you can override the people, the legislature. And that's what Democrats believe. Again, it doesn't matter to them how they get to the result. The result is they will control what you do. Anyway, take a listen. Uh, we have a call in Kansas NBC News now projecting that in the referendum uh, to amend the state constitution to remove the right to abortion, no is going to win in Kansas tonight. Uh, again, I, I was just on here a few minutes ago showing you we got those final results from a big county there that, that confirmed that that early lead that no had taken just wasn't eroding that much as the same-day vote came in. There's just enough vote in in enough places right now uh, that our decision to 
desk feels confident in putting the check mark up there. No is going to win this thing tonight. Uh, this uh, referendum to amend the state constitution is going to fail. Again, this is the first time that the question of abortion placed before the voters following that Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. It is taking place in a red state, a state that Donald Trump won by 15 points. But no is going to prevail tonight, and it looks like no is going to prevail handily tonight. All right. So, again, I, I covered most of it. I want you to understand a couple things here, first and foremost. They're acting like this is um, a resolution. Again, it looked like they were going <laughs> remove constitutional right to an abortion. So you understand most Supreme Courts only have seven. It's unlike the Supreme, the Supreme Court, which has nine. But let's say they have nine or seven. doesn't matter. Maybe it's five. However many they have, I want you to understand that those people in those robes basically came up with this right to an abortion. And if you did it the way Roe v. Wade did it, you basically can find it anywhere you want, right? You just, oh, this this little two sentences over here or this little clause here, that's where I find it. Now it's right. Okay, and then you got an entire legislature right, that can't overrule you because the Supreme Court has said it, right? And you would think that's not, quote-unquote, democracy, is it? But setting that aside, you do understand that the flood of money that came in here, I almost covered it last week, and I just, abortion is not something I like to do, but I almost covered it last week again in the context of the independent legislature doctrine is that most of the money that got poured into this thing came from outside of Kansas. Because one of the things you have to understand about left-wing politics, again, they talk about, oh, it's the democracy. We love democracy and democracy, yay for democracy. We're all about democracy. And then you find money flooding in from everywhere. So, for example, in Georgia, we've got a race where we've got Herschel Walker against Raphael Warnock. And Warnock is dwarfing Walker in terms of contributions, which you might say, well, you know, whatever, he's the incumbent. People... Oh, no, 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 no. It has nothing to do. Well, it might have a little bit to do with incumbency. But the main reason is because the money is flooding in from outside of the state. And what you're seeing, this is what Democrats are becoming. They've become a nationwide party and they care about nationwide ideas. And so what you're seeing out of Kansas, you're going to hear it was, well, it had to do with the people really want abortion going on. There may be some of that, because if you ask people generally, do you think abortion should be a procedure that people should be able to get, you're probably going to get a majority. Not as big a majority as they act like you're going to get, but you're going to get one. But then when you start saying, well, what about after 12 weeks, 13 weeks, 14, 15, and you start getting, that's when you start to see people saying no. But what you're seeing here really is more about the fact that even in red states, right, you've got governors and you've got Supreme Courts that override the will of the people. All right. And, and that's an important thing to understand. And we'll see what happens next year with the Supreme Court, which has taken up that North Carolina case um, and they will decide, be deciding about the independent legislature doctrine. And this is an important thing because um, guys like Mark Elias have learned um, how to do this. So where in the world's going on? Yeah, I'm, wow, I'm way ahead of the game today. We're going to finish real early today. So last thing I wanted to talk about was um, Pelosi. So Pelosi ended up apparently going to Taiwan. I had a bit, but it, it, it was very difficult. And if you're a lot of you are still listening to the podcast, so it really doesn't play well for me to play the video because it's basically just Nancy and a you know gaggle of her aides. And by the way, they're all wearing these cloth masks. I don't understand this, but anyway, anyway. But to be fair, maybe it's Taiwan's rules, not hers. But anyway, so they're all deplaning and they're walking over there in Taiwan and whatnot. And I've been against Nancy going to Taiwan. There's no reason for her to go to Taiwan. She doesn't have any foreign policy chops at all. She has no responsibility. Unfortunately, that is something that is by and large left to the presidency. And um, she has no really no business going there. There's no real reason 
to um, pick a fight with the Chinese. It doesn't make any sense at all, right? But so anyway, but but I saw this. Uh, this was in the Hill. Uh, Mendendez, U.S. can't afford to repeat Ukraine mistake with Taiwan. So this is Robert Mendez, who probably shouldn't even be um, in the in the Senate. He got he, he was charged, and he ended up being found not guilty. But he had done some uh, untoward things there with his campaigning, but got away with it because he's a Democrat. But anyway, Senator Bob Mendez, Democrat from New Jersey, said in a New York Times op-ed published on Wednesday that the United States needs to learn from its mistakes in Ukraine in deciding how to best support Taiwan. Well, I'd love it if we'd learn from our mistakes in Taiwan or in Ukraine. So let's see what he says. Uh, he's chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, said authoritarian rulers like Russian President Vladimir Putin have been emboldened in recent years by dysfunction in democracies uh, and hesitant international institutions. Really? Okay, I'm not really sure how he got that out of that, but anyway. He said that the U.S. needs to have less ambiguity with its approach to Taiwan and clarity in word and deed is needed to maintain peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait, the body of water separating China and Taiwan. Menendez's op-ed comes as Speaker Nancy Pelosi Touchdown on the Democratic self-governing island Tuesday as part of her wider Asia tour. China has issued warnings against Pelosi in the White House, had been in contact with, with her over her planned visit, but the Speaker decided to move forward with her trip. Anyway, so Mendendez, he basically is saying that we need to be more firm about picking wars, right? And then that's why I wanted to cover it, because I would think what you would learn about Ukraine is that we shouldn't get involved in... Um, regional disputes, especially those that don't really impact us. Now, Taiwan is, I think it's the by far the biggest chip producer in the world. So obviously, it has importance in our lives. And so, you know, there at least, unlike Ukraine, you have an argument about, you know, more U.S. interest towards us being involved. But the lesson we should have learned from Ukraine, it seems to me, is that if we're not going to go in there and really do something, Right. We shouldn't just be giving money and raising, you know, getting people to, uh, to pick sides over. it. That's what really we, we should learn. And apparently Mendendez hasn't learned that. And apparently we'll see what happens with this whole Taiwan thing. But it looks like the USA has not learned that. And I don't really understand how you can't learn it, folks. I mean, why in the world? Think about all the money that we've sent over to Ukraine. What has it done for you? What has it done for you? Besides, obviously, increase inflation and enrich a bunch of people that are in bed with Ukraine and enrich a lot of people that produce military weapons and things of that nature, right? It's made them a lot of money, but what's it done for you, right? And now that that war has now continued to drag on and it's continuing to drag on, it's not as popular anymore. And now Menendez is basically going, hey, we did such a great thing in Ukraine. Let's, let's extrapolate it to Taiwan. And then after Taiwan, there'll be somebody else out there that there's some dispute that somehow we need to get involved in, Right. And again, the fact that Pelosi's going over there, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, we were all told that we had to have uh, Pelosi because it was time. It's time to have a woman do this. And we're always breaking all these barriers. And we focus less on the person. But I want you, you know, I tweeted this the other day. I don't, I don't know how well it did because I've been out of the pocket for most of yesterday. But um, what good has Pelosi, seriously, name something Pelosi has done that's been good for the USA, good for the country. I mean, she's done a lot of the things that's been good for her. Right. I mean, she she's now worth, you know, over hundreds of millions of dollars. But has she done anything that's good for the country? I mean, can you name any of the stuff that she passes or any of the things she she came in and basically became one of the most partisan speakers we've ever had? I mean, in our history. And she's become 
uh, a person who just runs roughshod over every norm we've ever had. And has she ever done anything useful in exchange for that? I don't think so. And again, so whenever I see that Pelosi is going somewhere, I, I don't need to hear much more than going, I know it's probably not a good idea. But anyway, hopefully uh, she'll make it back from this Asia tour, whatever they're doing over there. I have no idea. They've, they've basically, that's the other thing too about this, is that if you think about this Pelosi going to Taiwan, have you heard any concrete reason why she's going? I mean, I'm sure they could make one up if they try, but they don't even seem to. It just seems like she's the type of person that she can decide to get on a plane and she gets fawning coverage. Oh, wait, that's been the Democrat and media complex pretty much since Obama on steroids, right? And that's why we're in the places that we're in. Anyway, um, again, slow news day, uh, folks out there. So I'm going to wrap the show up early. Um, you are now all caught up to date on the news of the day. And if you like this live stream, I hope you tune back in tomorrow.